You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Welcome to the 342nd episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Minnesota. I'm, I'm Orlando, Florida. Do you guys just want to start again? That was really bad. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the 342nd episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I was mad in, um, oh, what city am I in? Minneapolis. Uh, and this is Spencer. In Boston, Massachusetts, uh, you guys, I know where I am because I'm on the edge of my seat. And I have been all week with all the great racing we've had with Fletch Wallone yeah. and Liege, men's and women's versions of both, thrilling races all week long. Mm-hmm. I can't get enough. Uh, you know, where are you guys at? How are you feeling? What is your takeaways? I'm going to need the 411 from my podcast buddies here on the slow ride podcast about these bike races because okay. so I don't, yeah. I don't really know what happened. So I need somebody to well, fill me in. Oh, it's your seat. You've been paying I, attention. Should I see what you're doing here. First? No, no, no. Okay. I think we got to talk Liege. So it's the, the end cap of Springs classic season. And like clockwork, mm-hmm. I'll come out and say it. I was glued to my um, NBC gold broadcast. Forgot I still had the forgot I still had the subscription. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> great to see that the um that the old password still worked. You guys should try that. Same password since two thousand six. <laughs> uh, still okay. kicking. Um and Alejandro Valverde on his forty first birthday there to the very end. He didn't win. Oh, so close, so close. He was there with Ala Philippe, enemy of the podcast, which I'm totally okay with. Pogacar takes the win on the men's race. We'll talk about the women's race for sure. Yeah, Tim, I wanted to ask you about Valverde there because he was in that group and it was exciting. And I knew in my heart of hearts that you uh, were jumping up and down, shouting at your computer screen or whatever. Blow it up Um, the Slow Ride Podcast Twitter account, guaranteeing victory. Yeah. Do you feel like Valverde made a classic super rookie move there, trying to lead out, like trying to attack the sprint early when he knew that he didn't have a chance? So so, so let me just say this. When he found his way to the front on that final turn, I was saying to myself, like, what are you doing? But then um, announcer of the year, Chris Horner, suddenly is giving advice to Valverde on why he shouldn't have done that. And then I was like, you know what? Valverde knows what he's doing. Chris Horner, 41 years. He's won this race four times. First time in this finish. Mm -hmm. Sure. This is going to be his fifth year. I, yes, I was a little disappointed, but at that point I didn't care that he wasn't going to win. Do you know what I mean? Like, like a Mm -hmm. victory for me for Valverde was a top five either way. Like he was there. Old men's strength, yeah. 41 years old. Yeah. And we get constant hate on the Twitter account for our love affair with Valverde. 
We've we've talked about it nonstop. We get a lot of it's, hate. Yeah. A lot of hate. It's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It's complicated. But he was there. He made the race yeah. great, and I can't wait for him to be racing next year when he's forty-two years old. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that the best time for them to offer the new contract was as he was sort of, you know, shaking his head like so close to the podium and they slide that contract across to him while before he's had the time to really think things through and he he just re-ups mm-hmm. for next year. So now Tim, Tim real quick about Horner, um oh, he's do horrible. you think he was he uh No, I mean, yeah, sure. I I think everyone universally agrees uh about that, but do you think um deep down Horner was worried and oh, that's why sure. Horner had to be like, oh, he, this is wrong. He can't win. He's not going to win from here. Trying to will it to happen, not to break his record. That's kind of a good point. I I don't even think he, I think he's oblivious to that. All right, he's probably not. He probably knows that he is the oldest ever maybe, pro maybe tour win racer. But I just think that to me, Valverde represents to me is just, he makes racing exciting. We've talked about it countless times. But I, yeah. I have this general conversation with other friends on bike rides, like Saturday morning. I had this conversation over coffee on the coffee ride. And I'll mm-hmm. ask you guys. We all know Valverde doped. His name was oh, like yeah. he served a ban. Like we know this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you had to put money on it, if you had a wager, if you had to like just give your general impression, do you think Valverde is still doping today? Well, you like him. So that sort of waits. Um, I've always sort of thought of him as a as as a local like Minnesota hero, Dewey Dickey. Uh, uh, came back from multiple doping bans, and I thought he wouldn't be doping now. And uh, yeah. sure enough, he got popped again. And his his excuse for it was pretty lame. It felt like so. Yeah. His, his excuse was, um, "I'm basically addicted to doping. I can't stop." Even if I want to, right? I think his. Ex- I think if we're talking about Dewey Dickey, I think his yeah. his response was, "I'm on cancer treatment, and so this is yeah. my unprescribed treatment for that." But let's get well, back to sure. that. They didn't give that, us that, TUEs. Yeah, we're I think that was his initial was the old one. TUE. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. I, can... I would assume everybody's doing a little something, pushing the edges. That's See, how I always feel. I try I know. to not get too attached because you're going to get your heart broken. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I've had my heart broken many, many times, as you guys know. Almost calling you both simultaneously before we had this podcast in tears about various dopers <laughs> that had yeah. gotten popped. <laughs> Tyler Hamilton being one of the biggest. Um, but let, let's, let's be quite honest about this. I think Valverde is riding clean. My guess is that he's been riding fairly clean for about the last five years. And I'll tell you my general defense on this. One is okay. he probably has so much high octane gas in his system that there's probably enough that there's enough residue on those cylinders to keep running at, at, at full pop. You know what I'm saying? Like it's interesting uh, interesting yeah, theory. Yeah. yeah. It's it's I the like old, it. you know, it's like yeah, it's still there. Second part mm-hmm. on Valverde. The reason I feel that he's clean is that he's old enough that he probably has enough sponsorships that rely on like He's getting close to like the retirement age that if he gets popped now, then that ruins his post-cycling career life. Whereas mm-hmm. now he can be like, oh, for five years I've been clean, like nothing, like everything back, you know, I could just like wave that off. Now he can still get jobs and sponsorships post 
life. Like, I mean, he's mm-hmm. a big deal in Spain. Yeah. Um, do you th- I mean, do you I th- think, I think anybody probably- would? Do you think anybody would allow an ex-doper like that to be like a TV commentator or anything? Like, do you think there's actually jobs available for them? No, not at all. I, I, I wouldn't I'm think sure, so. I'm sure there's a lot of principles on this. Yeah, um, yeah. which gets the next get point. Podcast. Let me get. <laughs> let me get to the. Let me there's get to the no next way. point. Um, so we can get yeah. off that. Um, yeah. But I will say, Bob Roll, I actually like as a commentator. I I I can put up with Bob Roll on NBC Sports Gold. I think he's pretty good. I think he's paid his dues. I like reading his books. I think it's entertaining. <laughs> I I think yeah. he plays the game with the Lance thing over the years. Sure. Chris Horner is an absolute disaster. Get him off the TV screen now. Bob Roll, keep him on there. I think he's I think that he provides value. There's also the quirkiness mm-hmm. of of Bob Roll's history in those uh races. That's my take. Your guys? Uh I don't really care, I guess. I'm but uh, but you're more you need villains and I don't I don't I don't need villains in the same way. So I'm just yeah. I just tune out if I if I'm not enjoying Horner, I just turn him down and I just I do my own commentary, you know. Oh. That's interesting. I, I would like to hear that personally, but um Oh, that'd be fun. I'd love it. Yeah, Tim, I, I unfortunately don't have the NBC gold, so I didn't uh get to partake in any Horner isms, but uh yeah, I don't remember him being particularly good um he's a one star i also favorite yeah i i don't know that nbc is putting all uh their power behind these cycling um broadcasts so i i'm not gonna expect big changes big shakeups in the lineup they did have the women's coverage on there which was nice so they're just getting the aso feed Mm -hmm. but let's get to the men's race and we'll go to the women's let's talk about the actual racing itself um, okay. Tour de France winner Pogacar takes the victory over Julian Alaphilippe, and then a very game David Gaudu of Groupama mm-hmm. FDJ in third place, followed by Valverde. Um, and then in fifth place, we had the um, one and only Michael Woods, who looked fantastic, looking mm-hmm. good. Very and strong. then a shocking yeah. sixth place finish of uh, Mark Hershey. I guess he does Seven live. seconds back, though. Yeah, out of nowhere, out of nowhere. Um, And then David Formolo in 16th place. Gentlemen, overall, I thought it was a great race. Um, Apparently they changed the the finishing circuit. I liked how it did. There's a a killer climb there at the end that went up to 12, 13 percent with about 10K to go that made the final selection of those top five that were mentioned. Roglic did not look as good as I had hoped, nor did my roller derby look as good at the end. Because I put it all in on Valverde, little guy. What is your number one takeaway of LBL at the capstone of the classic season? I don't. Pokar obviously was the strongest and looked really good, but Woods looked really good. Uh, my favorite moment of the race, I just want to let you know, is when right before Valverde opened the sprint, uh, Hershey, Benut, and Malema were chasing a little bit off the the rest of the chasers. They'd broken away. They were trying to make contact there as the our five mm. leaders were playing cat and mouse waiting to open the sprint. Mm-hmm. And you got this long shot, and Malema was leading him, and he shook his head. He did this head shake. Like, he had this moment where he was like, it's not going to happen. And he shook his head kind of in disgust, and he sort of, like, looked at the other guys like, bah. Like, he knew he was going to maybe get a top ten, but he knew he wasn't going to make it. And that head shake for me was just, it was it was really funny. <laughs> like, I, okay. I could totally understand that feeling of you you get that far into the race, you go for broke at the end there, and you realize 
You know, like at that point, he was like, if I lead these guys in and we catch them, maybe I get third. And he had that moment like at 250 meters where he shook his head and was like, this isn't going to happen. And he looked really pissed. And I thought it was really I've great. made that head shake really many times in my life, in my yeah. cycling career. Um, but it was a it was a great race. It was nice to see Ineos really throw down the gauntlet, even if they uh, effed it up and didn't have anyone to seal the deal. They had Teo really lighting up some of the climbs with what like forty mm-hmm. Wait, who? somewhere in there, like uh, Teo the the Hackney Hedgehog. Oh, the ha- Hackney I believe, Hedgehog. I believe he's ah, commonly yes. known as the Hackney Hedgehog. Uh, but that was nice to see ahead of Carapaz had a great race. Up. How did he finish? Well, yeah, Carapaz somehow got DQ'd for slightly taking his ass off the saddle. I don't think that was a super tuck. I don't. Can I tell you why? It, because because <laughs> he used to be racing with Valverde. You don't mess with the Godfather. That's what happens. That's what happens when you leave the team. Yeah, especially you know, LBL. Yeah, I I don't. I mean, I think the UCI is really stretching it here. I, it looked like he was trying to, but he kept his butt on the saddle. And if we're it's gonna the get dumbest to the rule, like at this point, like. It's so Do the UCI commissioners have to like? I mean, how much of your butt has to touch the saddle? It's well, here's it's the insane that they they're gonna have to figure this stuff out. Right, like you can. How many commissaires race bikes? Let's be honest. Zero. The only reason um, you're a commissaire is because you can't race a bike. Let's come on. Let's get to I mean, it. that's why I became a USA Cycling <laughs> official for all those years. <laughs> that's also why I was one for a while too. Yeah, it was the only way I ever made money racing bikes. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Yeah, that was uh, weird and questionable, and I'm going to be disappointed uh, at the Tour de France and the other Grand Tours if this is the trajectory that this rule enforcement oh is going to take. Because I hope they just kick like Pogacar out on stage one because he's super tucked. The, oh well, I don't. That's we'll just it. Like, was he was he super tucked? I don't. I don't. No. I don't even think he like he's holding the top tube with his legs. So there's no way he was sitting on the top tube, and I don't know what the definition is, and there are probably it's probably out there, and I could probably read it and find it, and somebody will email it to us, but right now, I don't know what it is, and it doesn't make any sense, and that wasn't what I would consider a super tuck. I, I, I think he started, is what I think, he started to do the super tuck out of, yeah. out of habit, because that was a perfect moment to super tuck. He yeah. got about halfway into the motion of doing it, and he realized what he was doing, and rather than fully abort and and give up the ghost he sort of did that little thing that he did where he's just sort of like perched on the edge of his saddle and he had, did the he had his hand in the cookie just, just jar sort of, got caught and didn't take it out right away but he tried to act like it was cool yeah so they wouldn't notice so, and I, I mean i saw it while i was watching it and i and i turned to my better half caitlin i was like oh carapaz just almost <laughs> way to undersell i was like but you're much better half <laughs> yes but i was like you know there's no way they'll throw him out he's literally leading the race right now yeah yeah. So and, and but who knew? U, UCI doesn't doesn't care at all. They don't. So uh, what the UCI is saying is that we cannot any longer do the old pucker and balance that yeah. we all know from the Cat Four races because we don't we can't we don't have the bravery to actually do a full super tuck. So we do something similar to what Carapaz did today. Totally and. Um, I think it is universally, uh, you know, if, widely regarded within the Cat 4 fields. Everyone loves it when people so does that. If he'd <laughs> been pedaling, do you think they would have let him off with it? Like, because how many times in a Cat 4, uh, Cat 4 track race was I mm-hmm. that far onto the tip of my saddle 
trying oh, to find all the, the time. smallest yeah. amount of power to not get dropped. And yeah. I, I was Here's, not doing the super talk. The I was hanging up for dear life. But Dumbest yeah. rule. All this is dumb. I agree. Yeah. Little guy's number one thing was a head shake. Spencer, what was your number one thing um, from kind of Liège and then also just the capstone of classic seasons? Like, how would you sum up the men's side of this before we get into the dominating performance on the women's side? I mean, I think I think you have to sum it up with Philippe not quite being there. Um, because I mean, I know he won Fletch. Tour. We haven't we haven't talked about that, but. Um, you know, he'd be in there animating, but not quite having it. Um, kind of sums so, it up for me, and it's it's a little bit of the world champ curse. So I would that that's a solid that's a solid shout. I would say one of my love to see it. One of my capstones on the spring classic season is Ineos being a player in it, right? With Pidcock, Carapaz mm. today before getting booted out. Like that, it was actually yeah. kind of fun watching Ineos. I guess is what not, I would say. Like it wasn't like, true. I mean, granted they have Moscone, and we got to get through that and I won't talk about his um, result, but the, you know, overall Ineos was actually entertaining to watch, which was, you hate to see it, but kind of like to see it situation, you know? Oh yeah. Not, not, not since uh, uh, Ian Stannard accidentally riding off the front (laughs) of a race. If they had such good results in the spring. Well, it's interesting that, that now that they seem to be really throwing their weight behind the classics and, Kwiatkowski is not the force that he once was in the spring classics. Like there was a couple years where he was, he -hmm. was one of the A-listers in the spring classics, but they had kind of nothing to support him. And now he's playing the support. You had Pidcock, you had Carapaz being more of the guy today, having like Teo and stuff. And Kwiatkowski in the race, like whatever, he finished fairly high up, but he obviously isn't the Kwiatkowski of a few years ago who would have been in that front group, especially if they would have brought, a team like this to support him. Yeah. So anyway, Kwiatkowski, what I'm saying should be bitter and angry. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. Like the rest so of us. <laughs> let's, um, let's go to the natural, um, uh, uh, conclusion of this from the LBL weekend is that since it's an ASO race, clearly there mm-hmm. must be a well-supported and well-financed women's version of the race with an equal prize list. Of course, I'm talking about the, uh, <laughs> yes. the LBL femme, Race this is the fifth annual taken by Demi Vollering of SD Works in a sprint victory yeah. over Van Vluten of Movistar Team and Elisa Longo Borghini of Trek Segafredo. Down in 16th place is Erica Malganati of the WNT Pro Cycling Team. I had a lot of fun watching this race, less 30K or so. Um, it was a group of five women that were across, including world champion. Um, Anna Meek, or sorry, Anna Vanderbrengen, sorry, mm-hmm. on the front, drilling it for about the last 15K in full support of her teammate, Demi Vollering, and doing all she could, Vanderbrengen doing all she could to keep Marianne Voss away from catching the group as Marianne Voss yeah. was on the chase. It was great to see the world championship stripes. Mm-hmm. dedicating 100% to a teammate to keep a breakaway and then to see the teammate execute as much as I wanted Van Vluten to win for Movistar. It was great to see Vollering taking her first classics victory in such mm-hmm. a uh, yeah, great form. Easily sprint win. It was awesome. Yeah. I love the race. 
Especially after knocking on the door all spring, uh, especially one particularly heartbreaking second place um, earlier this spring with the uh, early celebration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was that was one of the most exciting races. You mean, you mean the it was questionable photo finish? Well, that's one way to look at it. Who knows how those but, things uh, work? I mean, so who yeah. knows? Uh, maybe, maybe somebody will tell us. We'll find yeah, maybe, out. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I thought this race was great. It was classic bike racing. It was, like Tim said, you love to see it. You love to see the work being put down. You love to see the selflessness. And you love to see the uh, the torch being passed, as it were, really. It, it was. It was that. Because I got the feeling watching this race and seeing that dedication of Vanderbregen to her teammate that we're now just entering the era of volering, right? Like, mm-hmm. like clearly this is like when the world champion is working for you in such a way after the world champion completely dominated on Wednesday at flesh alone mm-hmm. that, you know, this is volering's team for the future is what is what I was picking up. And it was wonderful to see. I absolutely loved it. I rated that race a nine out of ten, the women's race, because it was just it was textbook finish. As much as I wanted Movistar to win, it was I was I was absolutely thrilled for someone that uh, has been so close to take the win. So it was great, um, little guy. I know that you weren't able to watch live, but you were able to watch some highlights. Pretty stoked on the race. Yeah, I thought it was great, and it's it's always nice to see. Yeah, like you're saying, like the world the world champion working for a teammate when either you know whenever if they don't have it or they're just doing it to. To, to to give back to the teammates that do so much for them, it's always a super. I don't know. It's just it's just like adds an extra touch. It's like in the tour when the yellow jersey goes back to get a bottle for like the real team leader. You know, you're like ah, yeah, yeah. ah they're all friends. They love each and, other. You know, it's like it's like it's extra touching. It's an extra touching component of cycling. So, and Spencer, over to you now with the flesh alone. We had the double world championship victories with Alaphilippe and Vanderbregen mm-hmm. uh, taking mm-hmm. the win. Wednesday's always a great day. We know Little Guy loves those midweek races. Um, Love them. Well, how do you feel about Muir? Is that like one of your favorite climbs, the Muir to Wee? <laughs> it's pretty iconic. Yeah, I I do really enjoy that one. Um, I haven't done it. I don't like actually enjoy it, but I enjoy <laughs> watching it. I think it's I think it's just such a classic, fantastic place to have a bike race happen. Um, it is up there with the with some of the cobbled classics, you know, from Flanders and all that. It is um it's kind of absolutely a sh- legendary. Shame that it's on the midweek. That's the only thing I would say like I again, you know, little guy lives for these midweek races. I think it deserves its own weekend. I mean, we're not doing anything next weekend. We're not even podcasting next weekend because it's tour to Romandy and no one really cares. Yeah. Well it That's used true. to be, right? It used to be a long time ago it was the day before Liege. I don't remember when that ah, changed, okay. but I mean like I'm talking a long time ago. Um, so So you know, things things get moved around. You know, they they got to put it somewhere. They're like, it's only got one interesting component. Stick in the middle of the week. So it was the seventh. Time, I mean, yeah, it was the seventh <laughs> time that Vandenbregen won. But on the men's side, Alaphilippe takes the win over a game Roglic and Valverde mm-hmm. just six seconds behind. With I believe was it Michael Woods again in a fourth place? Yeah. So Michael yeah, Woods getting a little taste yeah. of uh, Valverde all weekend. Um, yeah. there in the break. Yeah. It it is amazing how close the finishing group of Flesh Wallone was to LBL. 
swap out Roglic for um, Pogachar and you kind of have the group. Mm-hmm. Um, Who couldn't start yeah. Wednesday because there was a COVID positive in the team that but, got turned around as a negative. So, I mean, that's the only reason he wasn't there. Very true. And Gaudu oh. was also in seventh place at Flesh Wallone. So, like, a betting person on roller derby could see that there is some pretty good, like, mm-hmm. consistent results through that. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, it was it was a great weekend of racing. Um, I absolutely loved it. We did get a, a hashtag ask slow ride um, from Alma GP. So this goes back to uh, LBL. Curious what the slow ride pod thinks. So a hashtag ask slow ride. Rank the following for most exciting to least exciting. Valberde in the break. Only one with mm-hmm. black socks. VO2, Michael Woodsy. Alaphilippe sprint. France in third. Tajik on the top step and Roglic dropped. So, what is your most favorite? Ooh. So again, we have Valberde. Was oh, that six of them? Yeah, six. You have Valberde, okay. Michael Woods, Alaphilippe, the French third place, Tajik, and then Roglic. So, I would say if, if you're going to look at like clearly, my number one is Valverde, just naturally. Okay. I don't know how you guys feel on this, but I would go Valverde. I would then go with um, Alaphilippe in a second for not winning. Kind of liked that. And then I'll go French third place, Tajek Pogacar on uh, fourth, Michael Woods mm-hmm. there l- looking very game in fifth, and then I'd have Primoz Roglic getting dropped just because I, I you know, I don't like to celebrate someone's inefficiencies. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And that's not you. Interesting. I'm not that's one not to celebrate um, someone failing so miserably. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's, it's hard not ah. to look look at it at this point because when it, the selection got made, I felt very conflicted. I was very excited about Valverde <laughs> because it was his birthday, and, and, and I want that. Sure. Also, uh, we're obviously big Michael Woods fans, so I was very excited. He looked very strong. Gadu being in there, I was like, wow. Not that he hasn't I just he's he stepped it up I, this year. I can sense he, your he, conflict as you're building this up. I mean, oh my god. Well, yeah. He's he's a rider who's been been nearly hitting that A class zone, but he's he's become like an A class ride, you know, whatever. He's in that mm-hmm. top step. And so the fact that he made that move with all those guys, I was like, Oh man, that would be nice to see. That'd be cool. So I don't even know Tim. I can't even pick. Probably, probably Valverde, Woods, uh, French in third, and then like Taj, Roglic, and then Alaphilippe would be my order, I guess, if I have to do it. But you kind of expect Pogacar um, to win, which is insane because what he's like twenty-two. Yeah. He's like a I baby. Think there's going to be several. We more just sort of, of uh, yeah. Um, I mean, for me, sixth, I'm going to put Roglic being dropped because you know, I. I kind of like it, um, so it's in my top ten, obviously, but because there's only six. But um, you know, it's not as awesome as uh, Ella Philippe um, not winning, which is also great. So that's yeah. going to be in fifth. Um, fourth for me, Taj winning. Um, excited to see. Definitely more exciting than Ala Philippe getting second. For third, I'm going to put Valverde because that's where he's been consistently finishing all season. <laughs> the massive. VO2 max of Michael Woods has been impressive, uh, especially this week uh, with his two top five finishes. I'll put that in second. And number one for me, and most surprising and most exciting, is French third place. Um, (laughs) 
Who who could have predicted that on roller derby before this season started? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clearly not me, because I'm down in like 222nd place out of 300 players on roller derby. But yeah, that's a solid run. You, I think LBL guys, guys is pretty good. Do you guys forget that Al Philippe's French? I always forget he's French. I look at him and I look at that... That, what do you think that evil bad guy go to? What do you think he's just, Russian? He feel French to me. You think he's like a Russian he Bond villain? Feel French. You think he's a man no, he without a country? Feel... Okay, little guy. There's a certain stereotype. Him. What country get... is he? What country is he? I don't know. He's absolutely I don't know. Wow. Belgian. Are you guys kidding me? How yeah. convenient that you don't know no, what country is. There's a certain. There's a certain air that a French writer gives off, which is that third place is a win, and that's yeah. the feeling you get from a French writer of like, oh, I hey, they're, just, yeah. They're, yeah. they're sort of like. Hey, I'm just happy to be in this company. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. So, like, like here we but are celebrating Alif- Gaudu's third place, but Alaphilippe got second, who's also yes, a French. Yeah. We didn't mention. Okay, I thought you were trying to say that he's that- not French. I was like, what are you kidding? No, this guy looks no, like no. the type he's- of colonialist that. I mean, that he's basically took he's kind of his- not French. Yeah, he he's he- French, obviously, but he's not in that in the way he rides. He he's French from the early 1980s in cycling. Okay. Like in yeah. a in a way that that Hinault was like just like cocky and whatever and was like, but there's a, there's a point when French riders sort of have just sort of we had a downfall and then they haven't been uh, as dominant as they were pre like nineteen mid nineteen eighties. Let's say nineteen eighty nine. What happened uh, <laughs> after after nineteen ninety? Yeah, they just kind of yeah. haven't been around. Strange. Yeah, it's yeah. strange. But so. The the way Alaphilippe is like even when you're watching these races, there'll be some point when whoever is announcing will say, "Ooh, weird flick of the bike by Alaphilippe," and Alaphilippe's doing his cocky dancing around like in the front. I don't group, know. I just like, when flicking I see... about over the road, he has this cocky air that doesn't feel French. Yeah, I don't know. He in reminds cycling. me a lot. Of, he reminds me a lot of Jimmy Casper. Um. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, Casper. <laughs> I I just I can't get back the quick step uh, to connect uh, Kit. Just makes me feel like he's Belgian, and that's yeah. that's just as far as I get with it. I don't know. Well, I forget he's French as well. Gentlemen, you know who isn't French? Do you who? do you want to know? Let me tell you. I'd who like isn't to French. know. Are you ready? Nineteenth place. Of course, I'm talking about Michael Matthews, our favorite spring classic specialist. One hell of a run so far this year. Let's get to this week's prem lap. Jeremy Powers, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, guys, here we are in the lap once again. Let's make this quick, sweet, and wonderful. First up, we'd like to thank all of the <laughs> listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head over to WideAnglePodium.com, find out about our family of shows, and donate. If you feel so inclined, it really helps us keep this Please. podcast going. We love it. It's awesome. If you ever wanted to buy us a beer, what better way to do it than becoming a member yep. of the Slow Ride Podcast or the Wide Angle Podium Network? It keeps us going. We have a great family of shows. Love for you to check them out. Yep. Just head to WideAnglePodium.com. Yep. We've, uh, we've got a bunch of weird uh, old bonus episodes up for folks who are donors that they can check out and... Some new exciting stuff we are planning for the rest of 2021. So you will want to be a donating member for that. 
We'd also like to thank our friends over at Buckler Skincare. Go to bucklerskincare.com to find out and purchase the Miracle Wap Chamois Cream. I bathe in it every week. It's fantastic. Keeps me going. No saddle <laughs> sores. Check it out. Mm-hmm. The tingle is the miracle. Once again, bucklerskincare.com. And you should also check out our good friends at Grimper Brothers with two exclusive blends of coffee for the Wide Angle Podium Network by going to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee to see those two great blends. Become a subscribing member. They'll send it to you monthly. It's fantastic coffee. Gets you going through the week. Love it. Indeed. So, other quick shout-out and premlap, little guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. You and I were talking about it. It's the Quick Link podcast. I started listening to this podcast in the last like week or so. Check it out. Mm-hmm. It's Quick Link. It's like quick little 15-minute news, like straight news on the cycling world, but done yep. in a cool way that you kind of wish all journalists outlets would present i don't know like i don't know how else to say it it's it's a great little shout out so they like, gave us a shout out i love it and they're english they got the great accent so it's actually yeah fun to listen to so so it's like the opposite of this show way it definitely is. the opposite. it is it is the opposite okay. yeah no you get you get all your race news <laughs> really good they, mm-hmm. they they break down whatever little stage race is going on really nice some yeah. facts boom you're in and out and you learn something it's nice yeah. uh the dream yeah so I check know, it out it's but it's super weird. They gave I us a great. To it and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. But you know, <laughs> they gave us a great. Why are, they going to... Why are they getting to the point right away? What's going on here? I was they like, gave us the a... digressions. They gave us a great uh, shout out. They and, did. Uh, I no, was like, the, wow, this good. is it's a good show. <laughs> this is what podcasts could be. Um, it's fantastic. But uh, <laughs> we've got so many listener emails. We also got to talk about a bike swap, and Ooh. we have some other things around the corner. So, gentlemen, let's get back to the show. Hi, I'm Hugh Carthy from Education First Cross Cycling, and I don't listen to the Flow Ride podcast. All right, guys, here we are, and it is, of course, our time where people send us emails at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail.com. So let's dig into this mailbag. Hi, Slow Ride. You are probably getting 1,000 explanations of this, but the finish line camera is actually quite simple. It takes a single one pixel wide vertical photograph of the finish line and the camera is aligned so that the single line of pixels rests directly on the finish line from the camera's perspective. The camera takes rapid fire photographs very, very quickly, like to the order of 1,000 per second. And the 2D image we see is all of those single vertical images stitched together in order. So as you move from right to left, each vertical column represents the same slice of the finish line looked at at that different moment in time. So here's the swap. A normal TD picture shows you a single moment in time over the entire 2D scene. The finish line shows you a single vertical slice of a scene over many moments in time. So there you go, guys. And that comes to us from our resident computer scientist, John Bowers, Ph.D., so basically, when we're looking at those funky photos, that is a bu- like a shit ton of photos taken at exact moment that riders are crossing the finish line. 
makes sense to me because PhDs tell me this is how it works. Are you guys spot on this? Are we still in agreement that uh, what happened at um, Flesh Rallone really happened? Or, sorry, it definitely or, really or, happened. What, what, Wout Van Art won on Sunday? At sorry. Amstel. At Amstel, I'm sorry. At Amstel, yeah. Uh, I'll believe it. I mean, he's got the PhD. Yeah. I, I, what am I going to do? I mean, I, well, I don't know. I mean, Pidcock says he feels like he was faster. So I, who's to who's to say what could be correct? Well, we do have a doctor. I agree with him. We do he have a doctor fast. that got to us. But um, let's see if uh, John D. does a better job of telling us this. Dear Slow Ride, I'm sure you have dozens of emails about photo finishes already, <laughs> but hear me out. Uh-huh. A normal photo is two dimensions of space, left and right, up and down, captured in a single uh-huh. slice of time. Okay. Uh, Makes a sense. photo yeah. finish is one dimension of space, up and down, the finish line across the road, and one dimension of time, left to right, one slice of time after another. The reason the spokes look all bent, time warp. So I'm pretty sure I just watched Doctor Strange of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I have no clue what's going on, but sure, John, sounds great this week on the pod. Does, uh, <laughs> does he have a PhD on his name, on his email signature? No, he does not. So I'll, I'll, okay. well, I'll file him mm, behind uh, yeah, the PhD. <laughs> um, I mean, it sounds like maybe this finish line camera technology is pretty high tech and maybe we should just trust the photos it's what yeah that's what i'm hearing that's what i'm picking up too this the smartest people in the room one but the smartest people in the room also brought us enron so you know <laughs> i'm pretty sure wow van art one but uh Good whatever pretty much yeah apples to apples there yeah perfect uh, help hi slow red pod i'm in a bit of a bind and turning to you all for advice well that's where we come come in Alex. Happy to help. My son turns two in a couple weeks, and I'm looking to get him one of those rad ride shotgun seat attachments so I can introduce (gasps) him to the wonderful world of mountain biking. We've got awesome trails less than 10 minutes ride from our house. Shout out to Cora and the Mount Airy trail system. Mount Airy, that must be Maryland, maybe? There's a great bike shop, by the way, called Mount Airy Bike Shop, which has a ton of Kleins. In the rafters. Check it out. (laughs) I remember you talking about that, yeah. Um, And the city just announced they will be building a massive $5 million skills park in the same area. $5 million skills park? Okay, first off, really check the books because someone's really getting away with, like, give me me like (laughs) $1,000. I'll get you a pretty sweet, um, well, although the price of wood is pretty expensive right now, but I'm pretty sure we could come together with a pretty good uh, Mm -hmm. setup for 100 k Five million? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah there's some yeah. grift going on there. You you can build a lot of skills with the just bits of lumber and random bricks that are strewn across my backyard. I mean you have to have yeah. skills to get yeah. through it. I you're very, very much on the point. Okay, five million dollar <laughs> skilled park in the same area. Cool, right? Well here's the rub. Uh-huh. Yeah. My wife is convinced I'm going to maim or otherwise damage my beautiful son. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, she's not wrong. I've reasoned, cajoled, and even created a first-person on-board video documenting how I will ride carefully and <laughs> safely traverse our local trails should yes. my son be on board. My wife this is very good. remains unconvinced. Help me turn the tide of the discussion <laughs> and get my son out of the woods, out in the woods, <laughs> or out of the okay. woods. I, it could be kind of either way. But how do we convince his wife 
that it's totally okay. Mm-hmm. Love the show. You're definitely in my top three to five cycling podcasts, Alex. <laughs> P.S. I'm a competent <laughs> bike um, with a couple decades of experience riding off-road and local trail and pretty tame. Yeah. Any gnar can be circumnavigated with ease. So I think that's very important, right? Convince okay. and say that okay. you're not going to take the A line. Always take the B line around the big yeah. obstacles. Put the kid in a helmet. Yeah. Teach him how to roll. And roll with it, man. Come on. Like, at some point. Or do the old uh, Bobby Boucher from The Waterboy. What mommy doesn't know doesn't hurt. You know? Don't take off the GoPro. Just tell the kid, mm-hmm. I don't, let's not say anything about this, it. and let's go for a bike well, ride. I kind of like mean, that. The, yeah. I don't think that's going to solve the actual question that's been asked. Yeah, though. that's How that's is she going to know? That. Well, it's like if he, if he wants a divorce, he should do what you're yeah. doing, what you're suggesting. The, the if, he, if he wants permission, we need to come up with something better. Why does yeah, there need to be that, permission? That, Shouldn't there be just mutual agreement to not hurt the kid? And he's going to not hurt the kid. He said so. I trust him. Well, he sent us an email. Alex. Best <laughs> intentions, Tim, but all all thing all gloves come off when then they do crash at some point over there, and 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 then it's mm. trouble. As a kid, I was supposed to not go to the jumps near my house because I had a pre-existing injury. And, of course, I went to jumps and, of course, crashed the worst I ever did <laughs> during that time and had to explain to my mom why I had bruises and stuff, you know. So um, yeah. the worst time to have crashed. So, you know, it can happen even to I, is that Is that a reasonable angle to take with this question is, you know – he might be a little early to get him on the on the saddle thing and get him up, you know, used to riding and whatever. You might you might think that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be careful. I'm gonna take the beelines, whatever. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is when he's six, seven, eight, nine, whenever, he's gonna have a bike and he's gonna go do this stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. We can't stop him. He's gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. I want him to know the lines. I want him to be burned in his brain. I want him to know how to ride these lines properly and to be as safe as possible. When we are not with him, you know what I mean. I think yeah. I think you're setting it up as training for the future safety and uh, reduced medical bills in your household. I like this yeah, idea. I, don't, I mean, I I rode with 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 my son Tambun Tambunin with a seat on the mountain bike like that on some trails. I don't know how much it has taught him, but I do think certainly oh. when they start riding on their own, not letting them do anything crazy, but not not fully. Like letting them get a little little crazy on the trails, ride some harder stuff early on is good because they do build more confidence. And I think the scarier thing for a four to five six year old is when they're not uh-huh. confident because then they go right up to the edge and they break yeah. and they fall over and they break arms. Whereas if they're just confident, oh yeah, exactly, they can ride crazy exactly. stuff. You know. So here's another angle. Let me let me float this one by you guys and see how you feel as uh, as the resident parents in in this podcast. <laughs> Um, your significant other is like, no, don't take the kid out. Uh, you know, safety first. Don't want him out on the trails. You say, okay, well, if we can't go out on the trails, uh, I'm going to tear up the backyard and we're going to build a little safe pump track back here that is child appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think the threat of setting up a a legitimate pump track, like renting some, you know, bobcats and stuff and, and going to town is enough of a, of a, of a, carrot to get them to be like mm, not in my backyard i just planted those azaleas uh i'm gonna enjoy them Can't pump you take those. that kid to the mountain bike park and the five million dollar 
um, obviously safety first skills park yeah. mm-hmm. that's uh, that's now built. I like that idea too. One. Like flip the script is like fine. We'll ride here and then okay, the kid's good enough. You're you're. I don't know, man. Just mm-hmm. get well, the kid especially out if it's if it's their tax dollars that are <laughs> yeah. going to the skills. Put the park kid in the ride shotgun. The and you know, yeah, every now and then, just don't take the sidewalk when you're riding the bike. Right, go in that go in that uh, the dirt next to the you know the church parking lot. And you just kind of have a little bit of fun. Take the whole family out riding. I think it'd be fantastic. I love it. Alex, thank you so much. Well, uh, that, uh, that could be a third. I'm going to throw out a third one real quick here. Uh, maybe maybe you got to buy your wife a super sick mountain bike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get the whole let's, family let's go have going. some fun. Take a whole camping yeah, adventure. Yeah, get out if of, they're yeah. comfortable on the trail, they'll be comfortable with you on the trail. There you go. With, yeah. with, with, Slam dunk. With yeah. the kid, and I think that's Look at that. The, Come to the Slow Ride Podcast for marriage advice. Walk out of here with a new bike. Love it. Uh, Say it with me. This next email comes to us from Casey Harmon. Hey, guys. Love the show. My question is, why do we hate Michael Matthews? I was neutral on him, although I admit to questioning his decision Mm. to spend his first year's salary on earrings. Did he do something bad? (laughs) Bummer that Gianni Moscone won the whatever. We're not even going to talk about his race. Hard to like Pidcock when his employer gives a contract to the likes of Moscone. Fair point. Mm -hmm. Finally, say it with me. Bruh. Bont Sapil, you can do it. Casey, so pretty sure I nailed that one. Um, but yeah, yeah. So. why do we hate Michael Matthews? We don't. Nothing we don't. but the ultimate respect. Well, At first, we, we hated uh, him because well, he named himself. I, I would say. Okay, we can, we can go through the list. Yeah, why do we hate Michael I, Matthews? I, Nicknamed himself. I would say Tim absolutely hated Michael Matthews for quite some yes, time. 100% because he nicknamed himself Bling. Which n- it was the arrogance. Number yeah. one rule: you don't give co- yourself a nickname. Yeah, yeah. arrogance, the cockiness, the bad tattoos, uh, all of it, pretty much. Um, but he has he has done the unthinkable on this podcast. If you go back, you know, to the early episodes, you know, through episode maybe I don't know two fifty or so, like a long time. Uh, he he worked his way into our psyche and has become a podcast legend. He's become a favorite. He's, you know, it was a shtick for the longest time that we mentioned a certain, uh, us postal writer on every single episode of this show. With an asterisk, yeah. And it has, yeah. he has replaced that writer yeah. as our, our Easter egg in every episode that we have. He's to talk about Michael Matthews. Yeah. I, so was it? Yeah. I think it He's was a hero. One, there was the the time he had the injury. Twenty 2020, twenty twenty nineteen. He had the he cut himself in Milan San Remo. Still finished yes. on the podium. We saw some yes. grit. Mm-hmm. I think that we got we, that endured him to me at least. Yes. I don't know what else it is, but he's I certainly. Think that's, it's where it started. He's come around in our mind. I can you tell know? you a couple of things. Yeah. One is okay. I can tell you why I hated him. Right. That's a very long <laughs> list. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, and I we got a whole back catalog yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm a, I'm an acquired taste like Michael Matthews, right? A lot of people hate me when they first meet me. Get it? Yeah, that's fine. A lot of people listen to this podcast. They like you too, but then I'm the bad guy because I keep this podcast <laughs> moving along. I provide a little They'll bit of the character. Leave. Michael Matthews, kind of <laughs> similar, but Michael Matthews, 2019, riding through the pain, Milan Ramo. It's a start. I'm with you there, little guy. And then he had a bunch of consistent. Finishes, but never at the top step and really going all in. Living mm-hmm. living the life of racing for arguably some of the worst teams. Um, <laughs> and I kind of just love the guy. 
I just love him. <laughs> wow, it's love now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All did in. you see? At I'm the a little end disappointed of, uh, he didn't want to come to my wedding when I invited him. But uh, you know, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. He, he makes two of he us, was like Spencer and him. So yeah, it's pretty wedding. good. Yeah. Did you see at the end of uh, Liège today? He was, he was giving uh, Pojakar a little a big hug there. I right. did not. After see? he learned that when he came over, gave him a big hug. Uh, it was nice to see. Now, now, now he's going to lo- lose some points because you guys know how I so feel much- about shaking hands after oh, races. You don't shake hands after it. shake. You shake hands at the end of the season. You don't yeah. shake hands in the. Um, uh-huh. now, now, case in point, I've talked about this many times. One of my uh-huh. favorite bike racers is Rachel Atherton of the downhill, mm-hmm. and there was that whole mm-hmm. like interview series on Red Bull, and there was Tawny Seagrave. Who is the like the rival, the top female downhiller, and Rachel mm-hmm. Atherton mm-hmm. together, both in Wales, living close to each other? And there's an interview where Rachel Atherton's like, "Yeah, we're not friends," and I'm like, "That's why I love Rachel Atherton. Like, she's not not even making any qualms about it. Like, you can live a mile away from me. My job is to beat you in every race because yeah. you're trying to take the food off my plate, and I love it. Mm-hmm. We need more of that." It's- it so, feels like in road cycling, it's the opposite. It feels like all these these folks are like they all live in the across the like alleyway in the apartment building in Monaco, and they all just train together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the feeling I <laughs> yeah. get is they're yeah. all just yeah. like they're all besties, and they're just sort of like whichever one of us wins, it's yeah. great. And it bugs me. I love I you love guys. It. Yeah. That's why I like the the small teams. <laughs> um, next email from Andy P. Gentlemen, this was an all timer. Love this email. I'm just going to get right into it. Are you guys ready? Oh, my God. Okay, here we go. I'm ready. Yeah. I need some advice straight from the source. Hey, guys. Enjoying the show as always, and have a question for you that I'm sure no other cycling podcast has covered yet. Oh, I can assure you that is the case. (laughs) I recently finished season 10 of The Walking Dead. At this point, feel free to mock my taste in entertainment, but remember, I listen to this show for an hour a week, too. Very true. (laughs) I was shocked to see that Walking Dead is still on TV 10 years in, but, uh, you know, it has taken 10 seasons for them to start using bikes. In a post-apocalyptic world, I'd have thought this mode of transport would have come in play way sooner it doesn't require gas or electric. It's quiet. It's fairly easy to maintain, etc. Plus, car-free roads would be a joy to ride if it wasn't for the zombie yeah. hordes. Yeah. Now, <laughs> just I, I want to say that <laughs> the zombies, the zombies in Walking Dead are a slow-moving zombie. It's not a. Okay. It's, okay, not yeah. a it's not like the World War Z, like fast-moving zombie. So, okay. if you're on a bike, you could get away from zombies just to give you a case um, of this. So this got mm-hmm. me thinking, okay. what would your ultimate zombie apocalypse bike setup be? Some care, mm-hmm. pri- some mm-hmm. key criteria to keep in mind. One durability and comfort. You may be riding this bike for long periods of time on mixed terrain. Comfort is essential. Whilst punctures and delicate campy shifters could mean getting eaten alive. Yeah, well, well worth sorry, it. Matt. It's yeah, worth it. you're a goner. Yeah, Matt's a goner. <laughs> but I will say that a campy shifter can be easily replaced because you can't exactly just send that Shimano um, shifter back to uh, yeah. back to yeah. Japan to get fixed. 
You know, you could literally cannibalize a different candy. Oh, shifter. well done, little guy. Well to done. Campy is the uh-huh. Campy is the zombie of shifters. Um, mm-hmm. Number two, speed and maneuverability. Uh-huh. You don't want to be slow in this mm-hmm. thing. A heavy or cumbersome ride can make escaping from sticky situations even harder. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. True. Three, functionality. This setup would need to carry weapons, possibly camping gear, and have room for scavenged items or two. My first thought on different approaches were either one, a mountain bike and trailer, two, a touring bike with panniers, three, a cargo bike with rail attachment. <laughs> For you, little guy. Uh, you could take this on as a crew or individually. I look forward to the hot debate. Cheers, Andy P. I love this email. Um, judging by this is a great judging email. by how Andy spelled maneuverability with lots of useless letters like O's, U's, and A's, <laughs> I'm assuming he's from the UK. Um, uh, so Andy, thank you so much for the email, gentlemen. It's apocalypse time. There are slow moving zombie mm-hmm. hordes all around. It's taken us ten mm-hmm. seasons to get to the bikes. We finally have walked into the bike shop. <laughs> Everything is there: cargo bikes, rail bikes, mountain bikes, road bikes, gravel bikes. What do you go for? What are you thinking about? I have mine. So I I just need one quick clarification. I am not a, a, an avid watcher. I have never seen an episode Same. of The Walking Dead. Do I have any kind of home base that I operate out of, or am I constantly on the move? Well, it depends, because that's the problem with Walking Dead from the first four seasons that I watched, is that they tend to be kind of in a in a small area and then they migrate to another like town. So, okay. all right. So okay. you would, I would say that you're in a set, you're in kind of a location. You're in a small town. Like it's okay. probably in Georgia. But I gotta be ready to move out at credit. any time. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> thanks. All right. Uh, Tim, you sound like you've got your answer. I would love so, to hear it because I'm going to need just a second to marinate. So the first thing is, is that I threw e-bikes out. Um, mostly just oh, because God. I don't know what the power situation is because there's, I don't know how the electrical grid is looking. Um, in walking dead, I do know that in that world, there are certain areas that do have electrical, um, grids working, but they're not reliable because they, are they going to let an outsider in? And also would you let someone riding an e-bike into your safe community that is keeping out the zombie hordes? I wouldn't. De- so dead weight. Exactly. So. <laughs> Mine's quite simple. What I would be going for is I would I would get a surly one by one twenty six inch mountain bike, set it up tubeless, and I would uh-huh. I would maybe even go with like the um kind of the big dummy setup where you could have the cargo bike behind you to carry some gear, um mm-hmm. on like the mm-hmm. the extended uh, wheel frame. So I would do a one by one setup, single speed, mostly just because I would run it two by one fast enough to get away on both road and gravel. Um, and then I'd have the extra cycle trailer on the back end to carry some panniers. Maybe if I needed to like, you know, throw a little guy or Spencer on the back because you, um, you know, are going to like use the slingshot to get rid of the zombies. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a workhorse bike. Certainly one by one, no gears to worry about. I can ride that all day. I don't need to be that fast. I don't need a racer because, again, these are slow-moving zombies. Um, that's how I'm going to get from point A to point B. The, I mean, mm-hmm. but what? no gears to worry about. Why do people say that, Tim? It's not that hard to maintain <laughs> a derailleur. For God's but sake. But when it comes down to it, but when it comes down to it, 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Get some bar ends. Why? Don't. It, the why? last thing I need easy. is to you throw a chain. Look, I'm pretty sure the surly uh, uh, big dummy comes with bar ends already on it. It probably so does. You're I mean, there. look, we're in a bike shop. We have all our choices. You go over. You get yeah. a couple chain chain catchers. But I'm going to need a mechanic. Weird... You guys know me. <laughs> well, that's true. I would definitely have gears because you definitely don't want to be uh, so, climbing a steep grade, a steep hill, and a zombie comes out, Tim. And you look, really I don't know if you remember, gear. but I got third place in the 2007 24 Hours of Afton because I could climb all night long. So let me get into yeah, the I, second part here, little guy, because um, you oh, said that you're. Oh, there's more. Well, no, I'm just saying, place. like, little guy, you said that you're in the bike shop. So I'm just assuming you're just going to take the entire bike shop with you. You're going to be like, oh, crank pullers need to throw that in the panniers. <laughs> So before you know well, it, you're just going to be I'd throwing a, a couple tools. Yeah, what tools would you grab, little guy, along with your bike? Well, oh, I don't know. What I mean, bike is he going to grab? Yeah, That's yeah, what I need I, to know. I, I would definitely grab, I think I'd definitely go with a cargo bike. Uh, that would be the way mm-hmm. I'd want. Uh, similar to the one I have. I like I like the weight out front. I don't really like the weight behind the big dummy style. Um, what tools mm-hmm. would I grab? I don't know. I'd grab uh, some sort of good multi-tool. and uh, <laughs> Chain It whip? would depend. I mean, it would... <laughs> Well, I, it would certainly depend on which bike I had option to grab. So if I grab a bu- bike and it's got some stupid outboard bearings and that's my only option, then I guess I'm going to go find but the wrench for that. You, you know? put a cargo bike? like That's not very you, maneuverable, have... man. I feel like the cargo yeah. bike is very maneuverable. I don't know. people. I, I talk to people all the time that see me on the cargo bike and they seem to think it's like driving a semi. And it's just not. It's sort of like driving a cruiser around, you know? It's not. It's so, not so different, I feel like. I would be taking a different approach than both of you guys. And I, I understand or respect where you're going uh, with it. You know, like the cargo supplies, the panniers, the big dummy, whatever you need to carry stuff around. You need to be able to scavenge stuff and bring it, bring, bring home the supplies. Yeah. Um, and what that says to me is just, that's just more places for zombies to grab onto, okay. right? Like that's more places for them to get get at you, to grab, to slow you okay, down. I know, I know where you're going. Um, I put, I'm I love put jelly on so all I, the tips and edges of my thing. So well, that's uh, yeah, that's right, one way guy, to do it. Let's I see guess. where Spencer's going. I think I know where he's going. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting. I like when I'm when I'm thinking about uh, maneuverability and, and riding and getting away and like um, moving fast, dipping through, being a ghost through the city. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking fixed gear. Oh man, I'm thinking wow, fixed wow. gear, flat that's bar, not what I thought. messenger that's not bike. What I thought you were thinking with okay. With the front rack, like the flat pizza rack type of thing with some bungee cords on it. (laughs) Because I'm going to be able to grab whatever I need and strap it to the bike, Mm -hmm. but also be fast enough and nimble enough to dip around. Would you have really narrow uh, handlebars just to kind of get through? No, 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 no. Nice, wide, flat, comfortable handlebars, like mountain bike handlebars. Um, But the other benefit to this is being able to, as you know, control your speed with your legs, not your arms, because you're going to need both arms to work the shotgun yeah. to get away from the hordes. <laughs> That's a good of point. So this is a okay, zombie yeah. solid, it's solid. It's like point. carrying the legal box and if, back in the day. If I need, yeah, if I need to switch and yeah. put the shotgun back in the messenger backpack I'm wearing and grab the chainsaw from my utility belt uh, to take down some other zombies, you know, I'm free to do that actually, without. Uh, I think that Spencer, you win here. I, I'm with you for multiple reasons. One, if you're on that bike, you're already faster than me and little guy, so which is like key number mm-hmm. one to survive a zombie horde is to be faster than the person next to you, right? So 
Yeah. Solid point. Two, controlling your speed with your legs allows free freedom of movement of the hands. Little guy, I think you would agree that a fixed gear is probably the way to go here just from the sheer fact that um, yeah, you don't need true. brakes. You Good don't need point. to maintain brakes. Um, and then also... It's easy to maintain, yeah. You, yeah. you got the... <laughs> chainsaw shotgun all that you got the pizza rack in the front with bungee cords in case like you know you run into a a home depot and you're like oh man (laughs) you know caulk is on sale i guess i'll grab some Mm -hmm. um so that's cool but put it in a plastic bag for sure yeah and then um you also have messenger bag included in here spencer love that because you know your life Mm -hmm. possessions are in the bag behind you but also the hip pack which we've talked about at length Mm -hmm. many times (laughs) and the fanny pack Mm -hmm. Um, and the bar bag. Oh yeah, this yeah. is good. That's good. That's a good so point. My only my only fear is that like you get a lot of flats if you're running like the 19s on the back. 19s? No, 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 no. You haven't been riding fixed gears lately. No, we're talking, we're talking 32s or something oh, on okay. here for you're sure. You're gonna be running something. Um, mo- you're not doing NJS then. That's gonna be embarrassing. No, when you beat some, some... man. You guys are riding fixed gears in 2004 still, and it's embarrassing me on this podcast in 2021. This is an NJS. Get out of here. (laughs) They'll be like, uh, lame dude. (laughs) Here's the other thing is if I have some sort of established base, even if it's, you know, a little bit nomadic, I'm going to have a second option. I'm going to have a second bike on hand for when I do need a little more, um, uh, you know, cargo area, and I am absolutely going to get a cargo bike with the panniers on the back, like the extra long, uh, you know, put your kids on the surfboard thing yeah, on the back exactly. behind your seat. I think whatever. that's the way you got to go. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to find something along the lines of the Rad Power um, wagon or whatever they call it. That's the uh, e-bike version. How are and, you gonna and you guys this? just said, you guys just said you were against this idea because you couldn't charge it. Yeah. But here's the thing. Solar panels exist, and I am going to use the time that we have this downtime with no social media left over mm-hmm. um, during the zombie apocalypse to figure out just how to wire a small solar panel to my battery to keep it charged. What are you going to Google how to do it? <laughs> I mean, MacGyver could do something like that with his watch and a pen, and I figure I can do it that's too. A, that's a solid point. I, I like this question. Um, I would say that I'm probably the one that would survive the longest in a zombie apocalypse amongst us three. Interesting. Um, Don't think that's true true at all. (laughs) For for a variety of reasons. No, not true. Um, Yeah, that's not true. Um, (laughs) Why do you think you'd be the the longest? We'll miss you. Yeah, why, Tim? I'm definitely the most resourceful. Um, I am the fastest Uh on a bike. I can uh, ride uh-huh. the most miles. Um, okay. I, I know how, how to hide in the shadows. Feet. No one notices me. Kind of, kind of a no, that's behind, not the true. Se- behind the scenes kind of <laughs> yeah, guy. You're pretty low key. Yeah, yeah. Low yeah. key. Yeah. Um, no one knows when you walk into a room. Yeah, yeah. It, it'd be. Uh, I, I think I got this. Mm. I, I actually, I, I welcome our zombie overlords. It's, it's going to be a wonderful thing. I will say this, Spencer. When you were saying I, that you wanted something narrow to kind of get through. Um, tight spaces and all that, and something that people couldn't hold on to. I was thinking that you're going to go with a uh, recumbent with a full fairing um, setup oh, to kind of go from point A to point B. I couldn't ride that. I wouldn't know it. I would tip over immediately, and I like would a, be murdered. Like by a cow zombies. catcher in the front. Um, just kinda... Yeah, if they could get in, yeah, it, they wouldn't know how to open it. Yeah, maybe not. But here's the thing: I think we need people to tweet um, hashtag Ask Slow Ride. 
with the name of the host that they think will survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse on their bike choice. Mm-hmm. That's, a yeah. good, that's, a good, yeah. that's a good point. Well, that was a great email. So vote Spencer, everyone. I will send you $5 Starbucks gift cards if you do. <laughs> oh, didn't know you had so Probably many of those. Won't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyways, great email from Andy. That was an all-timer. Um, looking forward to uh, seeing what everyone else says at the hashtag Ask Slow Ride. Little guy, this was a big weekend in Minneapolis. Of course, it is the time for the annual Twin Cities Bike Swap, which is no longer held at the National Sports Center Velodrome because yeah, the Velodrome like doesn't exist. Swap. This is a little bike swap in Minneapolis, Minnesota at Friend of the Pod one-on-one bike studio. What was it that you saw? We love hearing how bike swaps are going in your neck of the woods. What do you see? Uh, it was exciting to go to a swap and be around people. It was a little scary. But, um, yeah, cool to see bike parts again. I finally sold uh, the Gunner frame that I had brought to oh so many bike swaps. I almost feel like I will feel naked going to my next so, bike swap. So how much did frame. you start 10 years ago selling this Gunner for at the bike swap? <laughs> it wasn't quite 10, but pretty close. 300 because that's what I paid for. 300 And, and what did you pay even. for it today? I sold it for two. So you like finally carrying it to bike swaps for years and years and years. So that hundred dollars over yeah. eight years of carrying it to bike swaps. If yeah. I would have given you six dollars <laughs> to carry it for the court, right? Like you lost a hundred dollars yeah. on this thing. Divide yeah. by eight, ten dollars a year, sixteen dollars a year. They got used for a while in there too. Yeah, it was like a yeah. hundred dollar loan to use it for a while. Are you okay with that? Ride it for a while. Oh, I'm totally fine with it. I didn't want to bring it home today. I rode to the bike swap, so I had on the cargo bike uh, zombies chasing me. I had a mail bin of parts. I had mm-hmm. uh, my son. I had a bag of stuff for him. You took little Tom Boone and Tom Boone into the bike swap. Oh, that sounds yeah. Magical. He came to the bike swap with me, and I had a the had the. It's a good bargaining chip. Yeah, I tried. Oh, to... my kid really likes it. Can you? Can I get just just five dollars for no, it? I just need it. I was totally hoping I... to do that, but I, there was no kid stuff I could <laughs> use him on. I did have him yell and say to a few people, uh, "You know, everything must go. Great deals." <laughs> mm-hmm. I had him say some of those mm-hmm. things. I was feeding him lines at times. So this was, a, but um, this was not the big Twin Cities bike swap. Sorry, this was a smaller no. one-on-one bike swap. What's important yeah, here? Uh, yeah. A lot of recycled people, right, in the, in the Twin Cities come in. Like, it's the same gang. The things just oh, move yeah. from table to table. Like, like oh, I sold that to you last year. You didn't do anything with it. <laughs> a lot of that. Fair amount. So you're going to buy this I mean, gunner back amount. next year. You know, I don't remember. I don't know the guy who I sold it to. He seemed pretty excited oh, okay. about it. All right. So, hey, who knows? So Maybe I'll see it again. What else did you see? Uh, I saw one climb that was kind of cool. I didn't see anything super amazing. I got to say, um, I I I bought some toe clips, some pretty boring levers, and a really cool salsa quill stem that I don't need. Keeping with my tradition of usually purchasing uh, one quill mm-hmm. stem, I do not need, but I just couldn't resist the the cool thing I saw. I guess Tim is what you're probably leading to is I saw a pile of bikes that was sort of off to the side of the swap, almost as if it was a pile of trash. And in that pile of trash, I saw uh-huh. a blue rust Denny, the one-time goal of every messenger in town to own uh-huh. one of these fine bikes. Uh, definitely uh. worse for the wear. The seat collar looked like it had been busted off at some point, and the water bottle bosses were busted. Everything was busted on it, but 
Yeah. There it was, clear as day. A blue rust Just any. like mine. A blue rust any. Spencer, you had a blue one, didn't you? I had a blue and yellow uh, yeah. team painted, rust any team painted one, and then I had a red one as well from legendary yeah. San Diego frame builder rust i stayed I with rust denny in, uh, in his rv in a walmart parking lot in 2005 for the world track championships in la fantastic <laughs> claim, loved it wow. claim to fame yeah, yeah. rust denny great bike uh frame builder so wow so overall it was an okay bike swap for you i, I was hoping for a little bit more panache but um you know what do we expect well, from someone taking a cargo bike during a zombie apocalypse it's just kind of mm-hmm. you know look do you guys see this red shirt that I'm wearing? I, I mean, I got this shirt there. It's pretty good. Wow, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff good. gave me this shirt, so that was pretty cool. That was like <laughs> the most exciting part of the. Wow, you, and that was today. You didn't even wash it. What? But you got it at no, a bike swap. Wow, I got it. I know who I got it from. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. Jeff doesn't have fleas or anything. Yeah, Tim, I'm I'm starting to rethink my. Uh, I think he might not yeah, survive like the a, zombie apocalypse. Like, this, this, um, like, oh, hey, I, why don't you, can you just put this shirt on real quick? Yeah, it, is, oh, it doesn't look great. Like, I got you something cool. Yeah, the zombie will just be like, hey, uh, Matt, can you just hang out here <laughs> yeah, for two like, seconds? Hey, like, oh, hey yeah, can sure. I borrow, like, I'm trying to get to, like, Milwaukee. Could I, could I, can I have a dollar? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, if the zombie is like, hey, I got some, uh, I got some cool XDR uh, cranks over here. I mean, that's a way to get uh-huh. me, you know. Yeah, you're done for. Yeah, yeah, I'm done for. So, I still think I'm gonna outlive Tim, but uh, you guys are both <laughs> not. It's things are not looking good for you, so I'm gonna miss. Uh-huh. So, so you guys are saying that I fell for the t- I fell for the trick today when I was told about the shirt, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> So. Yeah, this is all kind of a long so, con that Tim set up uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to okay. win. Um, in summary, um, to wrap up the pod this week, I do want to give a quick shout out. Um, I was, I you know, lunch hour, lunch comes along. Sometimes I like to watch some YouTube videos. I was over, ventured over to Pink Bike where they were doing the um, X Games video challenge for real mountain bikes. So they had like a series of six different videos on there that you could watch. They were all a minute and a half long by like the hitters, you know, Brandon Samanuk, Danny McCaskill, and the likes of those polished mountain bikers. I discovered a new video by Braj Vestavik from Norway. B-R-A-G-E. Just type in B-R-A-G-E X Games. You'll watch this video. It was a minute and a half long fantastic loved it everyone should check that out he got second place overall to some brendan samanek danny mccaskill video all well edited fantastic videos Mm -hmm. however when i was going down that rabbit hole i was sent a nine minute video by dylan stark real heat it is my favorite video of 2021 it is about okay. seven and a half, eight minutes long. I love every moment of it. I have watched it eight times um, since Wednesday, <laughs> which is a lot of video watches for me. Yeah. Why I, The way I summed it up on my Twitter account was that it looks, the video reminds me of being an eight, like a ninth grader carving Slayer into my desk while looking outside the window, wishing I was doing cool shit with my friends and getting in trouble. Like that, that was kind of like the, what I thought of when I watched this video, it's got a nice metal soundtrack and it looks like a dude that is just having a ton of fun 
riding his bike, crashing. Okay. And it's not that polished edit that you see in every Danny McCaskill video. Like, I love Danny McCaskill. Mm-hmm. I love Brandon Semenuk. They look really good, but you can see their videos, for the most part, have a lot of takes and lots of camera edits and tens of thousands of dollars of budget behind it. Whereas um, you want- this Dylan Stark video, it looks like they smoked 95% of the budget before they started filming. Like, it just... It's an it awesome... It's called Dylan Stark Real Heat. I love it. I'll put the text or the tweet up on the Instagram. I love it. It's a. I hope you guys watch it. There's some killer videos in there, um, and it's just raw, unadulterated it fun. It's great, and it All made right. me love bikes for the last week watching that video. I I don't know what else to say. I know you guys right. didn't watch it, even though I sent it to you no. to say like you guys should totally watch <laughs> this because I want I to didn't. talk about it lovingly on the pod. But um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. So a lot, watch both those: the Brage Vestavik from Norway X Game Video, and then the Dylan Stark Real Heat. Check it out, love it, and that's Real kind thing, of the yeah. end of my uh, podcast spiel. All right, I'll <laughs> check it out. All right, I'm, I'm in. I'm into yeah. watching some uh, some fun on bikes. Yeah, it's a combination of both uh, mountain biking, dirt jumping, mount. You know, like mountain biking. Like it's just kind of BMX in there. This is really cool. Well, dudes, every single week I look forward to this. We will be taking next week off. I'm also looking forward to that. But uh, I love talking to you guys about bike racing. This has been fun. What a wonderful spring classic season. Alaphilippe did well. Vanderbergen did well for the world champions. Great to see. Kudos to Bogacar for taking the win today. And Demi Vollering as well. And with that, we'd like to thank you for listening to the 342nd episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. Thank you for becoming a member and supporter of the Wide Angle Podium Network by going to wideanglepodium.com to find out more. And major props to bucklerskincare.com for their very own Miracle Wap chamois cream and Grimper Brothers for their two exclusive coffee blends at wideanglepodium.com slash coffee. And this is Tim in Orlando. Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. We will be taking next week off. We will be taking next week off. We will be taking next week off. Wow. What an episode. That was amazing. When that one person said that thing and then the other person totally like set them straight. Oh, man, that was great. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again. But hey, since I have your attention now, hello, cyclocross friends, new friends and old friends and soon to be friends. My name's Bill. I host another show on the Wide Angle Podium podcast network it's called cyclocross radio and we talk to the biggest stars in cyclocross and even the medium stars in cyclocross and some of the soon-to-be stars in cyclocross we also have a panel discussion we call the media pit with my buddy zach and michael where we go over all of the new 
rules that might be coming out and the calendar situations and races that happen. It's a great time. It's a great conversation. We built an amazing community that we want you to be part of. So go to wideanglepodium.com, become a member there, then go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Cyclocross Radio. Do it. Do it now. Cyclocross friends. <laughs>